You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. So today, as we share this message, I'm going to ask a lot of questions. The first question that I'd like to kind of bring up and just get us to think is why are we here? Why are we here at church? I want you to just think about that for a second. Don't, don't, well, we're here to worship or we're here to think just for a second in your mind, in your heart, why did you come? Many people's actions, I believe, and this is in your notes, many people's actions have become motivated by attempting to be moral instead of seeking to imitate Christ. And can I be honest, that is where I have been many times in my life. I have tried to do good things and to live a certain way just because of how it makes me look to other people. Because I just feel like I should. But the real motive behind why we do things, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, obviously anything spiritually minded, but really anything in general should be to imitate Christ. And I believe that in our church today, not in gospel light, necessarily just gospel light, but in the church, there is Christless Christianity. Just eanity, right? It, it's, it's, it, we, we've forgotten about the real reason why we should follow Christ. There's a, quite a few contractors in our uh, church. I know just a couple off the top of my head I can think of or. Daniel Brown and Jake Spradlin and others, just they know what it's like to um, build a house or build a building um, from the ground up. And obviously, I think many and most contractors say, you know, the most important thing is that the foundation is correct, right? You have the foundation correct. But if you have foundation and you go out and buy some sheetrock and you go out and buy some nice flooring... You, you, you buy the nicest wood flooring or tile flooring you possibly could find and, and you buy uh, the nicest light fixtures and the ceiling fans and you have custom made cabinets and you have granite countertops and you have all of these amazing things but no framework, you have no house. And if you have poor framework, that house is going to collapse. And that's what I believe many Christians are at today. I believe many Christians in the church have the foundation, Jesus Christ, right? We have the right foundation, and and that's what we build on. But understanding the framework of what it means to be a true disciple, a biblical disciple of Jesus Christ. I think about our, our theme this year, the year of discipleship. And we've been doing a lot of things to take steps in the right direction. But I believe that we need just a quick reminder this morning of what it looks like to be a true biblical disciple. What is the framework? What, what causes us to have that frame to put everything else in? Oh, we have the nice service. We serve, we give, we do all these, we pray, we do all these good things. But what does the framework look like? And as, as a person who's been saved for much of his life, I've been in church my entire life, this, studying this out has re-energized Uh, this past week even as well, been able to re-energize my thought process and what it is that I'm supposed to be doing, what my purpose is in life. 
So number one, let's get into it. There's six things. Number one, surrender to a gospel-centered life. Surrender to a gospel-centered life. See, being a disciple isn't about being a good person. There's plenty of good people out in the world that aren't saved, aren't Christians, aren't churchgoers, aren't disciples. There's plenty of good people out there. Being a disciple is ultimately about surrender. And I loved what, what Pastor Craig said up here in the worship service, how God broke him. And we think about those songs. We think about the songs that we were singing and just, I give my life for you and things of this nature. We understand that discipleship and being a disciple is ultimately about surrender. Who is at the center of all of your decision-making? How do you react to people in situations? I look at, if we look at Luke 9, Jesus is in this passage attempting to give his disciples training for his post-resurrection uh, and post-ascension uh, ministry. So like, he's a, he's go, he knows he's going to go on the cross, he's going to die, he's going to raise again, and then he's going to ascend to heaven, and he's trying to make sure his disciples are ready. I'm training, listen, this is what you've got to do. And he goes to, a, uh, he goes to a crowd of people, and he tells them this in Luke 9, 23. He tells them what it is to be a follower of him. He said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, and here's the key words here, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Focus in on those words there, you must give up your own way. I have an additional note that I didn't get to put in the bulletin because I sent it in earlier this week. But I want you to write this down. I think it'll help you. It has literally transformed a lot of the way that I have actually thought of uh, in this past couple years is this. You will, re- you will relieve yourself of frustration when you put God's will ahead of yours. You will relieve yourself of frustration when you put God's will ahead of yours. If I'm being honest, this past couple years uh, has been really frustrating. And I think if you're honest, you would say the same exact thing. We're frustrated. You have, you have different, and, and different people for different reasons. Certain people are frustrated with how this group of people is acting. And certain groups of people are frustrated with how the government's treating us. And so, if we're being honest, we're a bunch of frustrated people. We think that it should be done this way. And this is the only way. And you're wrong. And this and that. And we're so frustrated because we have our will and that's the only will. And you know what's interesting? I was reading in Luke 22 and and Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is right before he was going to go to the cross. And I could not think of a more, a, a crazier time to be frustrated than during this time of Jesus' life. I want you to think with me. Let's make the Bible real here for a second. Think about this with me. Jesus, he's, he's healed people. Uh, he's, he's fed thousands. He's doing all of these good things for these people, right? He's not like going around and, and doing all these terrible things. All he has done is good. And uh, this group of people decides to take away his freedom, right? We like freedom here. I love freedom. Trust me. But they take his freedom They arrest him. They arrest Jesus. For what? Well, you can't arrest me. 
What did he say to Judas? Or excuse me, what did he say to Peter after he, he cut off the dude's ear? You know, relax, homie. He didn't say that. Per, per, you know, he didn't say those exact words, but he, he, he lets go of his will. He gets arrested. I mean, he could call 10,000 angels. We understand the power he has. He could have said, you know what? Forget this. All of y'all are toast. I'm going to show you what power looks like. But he releases that. And he gets arrested. So then he goes to his trial. Th- think about if this happened in America. It probably is. But, but this, think about if this happened. The, the judge of the actual case, he, he's like, I, I, I don't find any fault in him. And he washes his hands and says, it's not me. Can you imagine? How frustrating that would be if you were on trial and the judge just goes, I, 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 I can't see anything wrong. But, And on top of that, there's a murderer and a thief who's about to get executed. And the people say, give us Barabbas. Put Jesus on the cross for feeding 5,000 people and healing people. Yeah, put him on the cross. How frustrating would that be? Think with me for a second. How frustrated Jesus must have been. I don't know. Maybe he was, uh, he's perfect. I don't know if a frustration is necessarily something that is a sin, but we can look here in Luke 9 and you can kind of see a little bit of where he was toiling with himself. He says this in his prayer in Luke 22. Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. But here's the kicker. Jesus Christ, the greatest example we have of surrender. He says, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Surrender your will. That's something that I've learned. And Craig, he hit the nail on the coffin. I literally was so, so exactly the same way he was. This week, you know, you hear about G, you know, uh, uh, God the Father, God the Son, and then God the Holy Spirit. And we, we talk a lot about God the Father and God the Son, but the Holy Spirit's kind of a weird thing for Baptists, right? It's kind of like, oh, you know, it's kind of an interesting thing. You know, we got to be careful, and I get it. But I, I felt the Holy Spirit in my life, I would, say, I would say it was one of the most life-changing things this week to release my will to the will of the Holy Spirit. I try so hard to help these students. And and to be honest with you, I shared this in my testimony with some of the students. But like for the last three years, I've been in youth ministry. I've been a youth pastor here for about seven years. I've worked with the youth for about 10. And I was so frustrated these past three years of ministry because I'm trying to plan these youth activities and, 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 and plan the, the Wednesday night services and, and get these amazing sermons and, and do all these things and, and try to shake them up and say, love Jesus, love God, make the right decisions. And then, and then I look and I see decision after decision and I see kids falling off the wayside and I see these things and I'm like, I'm wasting my time. I can't do this. I can't do this, God. What are we doing? And finally, when I was standing right over here on Thursday night, Jordan, off script, started singing Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. That is who you are. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel that you're working. And the truth is, at that moment, I said, oh my goodness. I'm trying to do all this work. And like Craig said, the Holy Spirit's like, are you ready? 
you right, tag in, let me come in and finish it off for you. And it changed my life, understanding that I don't have to do the work. He's undefeated. He's the one who says, let me do it through you. And guys, I can tell you this, to be a disciple, you have to live a surrender life. Number two. Number one was surrender to a gospel-centered life. Number two is hunger to know God. Hunger to know God. Uh, let's see here. Um, Kiriana, come up here real quick. Kiriana. Yeah, run up. Yeah, yeah. She's an athlete. She plays volleyball and everything. Yeah, come, you come up on stage. Oh, yeah. She's like, oh, my goodness. So, Kiriana, we're going to do something here. We're gonna, yeah, it's just another game time, all right? You have to get ready, all right? So, here we go. So we're going to play this game. It's called the Imitation Game. I want you, I want you to in, imitate Randall Smith. <laughs> she, said, she said, isn't it the lizard off of Monsters, Inc.? I have no clue. But I, I can tell you this. Why, why don't you know? Why, don't, why, why can't you imitate that person? Because she doesn't know him. You don't know him, so you can't imitate him, right? Randall Smith was somebody you went to high school with. She doesn't know Randall Smith. How's she supposed to imitate him? You can have a seat. Here's, the, here's, here's something that I want you to think about just for a second with me here. The tough reality is that we can't imitate God if we don't know what he looks like. So many Christians are like, I want to be like Jesus, but you have no clue what he's like. God gave us scripture, not just as a handbook for life, not just as a love letter, but rather as the primary means of revealing himself to us. This is how you get to know how to imitate God imitating Jesus. He reveals himself. He can reveal himself through nature. He can reveal himself through people. We know that. But the primary means is through his word. And so many Christians are like, I don't, I'm trying to be like Jesus. Well, well, here's the thing. We've got to get in his word. How do we know God is loving? Because we see it in his word. How do we know that God is patient? Because we see it in his word. How do we know that God is kind? How do we know that God is holy? How do we know these things? Because he reveals it in his word. And guys, I just need to tell you this, that we have to know God. We have to get to know him better. And when we do that, we figure out how to imitate him. We can be more like him. Yes, it's a handbook for life. I get it. Jo- you know, Joshua 1.8, you know, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You'll, if you meditate on it day and night and you observe it and if you do according to all that is written therein, you'll make your way prosperous and you'll have good success. Yes, it can be, if you do what's in this word, yes, it can be a manual. It can be a handbook for this life. We see through the gospels, the love story of how God sent his son and he gave his son to us. Yes, it's a love story all the way through. I get it. But this is how is a disciple, if you, you're a discipleship, if we want to be a disciple, this is the key. We got to plug in. I told my students this this week, you know, our thing was energy, and we, we talked about the phone battery. Well, how does the phone turn on? The battery's the power. That's that Holy Spirit inside of us. And what's interesting is when the phone doesn't turn on, I, I asked them, what's wrong? That battery is dead. And guess what? 
when you, when you want to turn that phone on, you got to plug in. And it, the battery turns back on. This is, the, this is the plug right here. This is how we have that energy saying, you know what? I, I feel a little dead inside. And can I be honest with you? In my years of being saved, I have felt dead inside thinking, man, I just, I feel like, I feel like I'm not, I'm not reading my Bible and desiring God like I should. But when I plug into this, it changes everything. We, we complicate things, guys. This is it right here. We've got to read this book. The question is, how badly do you want to know God? How badly do you want to know God? It, do you love him enough to, to, to watch five minutes, left, uh, five minutes less of Netflix and get in God's word? How bad? That's the question. The question, I, I think many of us are like, yes, I want to know Jesus. I want to know God more. But how badly? Badly enough to prioritize a little time out of your day at least to get into his word. David says in Psalms 42, 1, as the deer longs for the streams of water, so I long for you, O God. It's not necessarily focusing on this deer and like, wow, deers really like water. Like, no, what he's saying is anything that's alive needs water to survive. I need Jesus. I need his word. I need him to survive. Paul says it this way in Philippians in his letter to them in, in chapter 3, 8 and 9. He says, what is more, I consider everything. I consider sleep that I love. I consider my job. I consider, and I hate to say this because I love it so much. I consider golf. I consider school. I consider Everything a loss compared to what? The surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. It's all rubbish, he says, that I may gain Christ and be found in him. You know, more importantly than just knowing God and preceding that, you need to make sure that you're known by God, right? Well, God, he knows everybody, right? He's omniscient. He knows he knows everybody. He knows my name. He knows how many hairs on my head. Yes, but there is something called the Lamb's Book of Life, and that is where your name needs to be in if you want to spend the rest of your eternity in a place called heaven. You need to be known by God. And how do you do that? You repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And then after you're known by God, then you get to know God and make him known. Matthew 7, 23, he, it says this. Jesus is speaking, and he says, there's, there's people that are going to go to the gates of heaven, and they're going to say, you know what? God, Jesus, I served you. I, I, I read my Bible, and I gave to the church, and, and I did this. And, and, then, and then he's going to say, you know what? Depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. Make sure you're known by God. And when you're known by God, get to know him more so we can be a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Number three, embrace Christian community. Number three, embrace Christian community. I love this. Christian community is more than friendship. It's more than just hanging out. It is being committed to one another to help each other grow in Christ through Bible reading, prayer, serving, and even meeting each other's needs. I witnessed this this week at Teen Rev. It was crazy. 
It was like I was witnessing the New Testament church in our youth group here this week. I, I was, I was, I said, right here on Friday night, Pastor Craig standing in the middle of a group of what? Ten guys maybe, huddled up, praying for each other, saying we need to be committed to each other to doing the right thing. Didn't matter who it was. We had, we had Joey Rubio here, who's into robotics, more of a nerdish kind of guy. We had Logan here, who was a basketball player, more of a jock. We had, we had so-and-so. We, we, had, we had a black kid over here. We had a Mexican kid here. We had a white kid here. It didn't matter what the race was. It didn't matter who, uh, what they liked. They were just together saying we're committed, and we're committed to each other to doing the right thing and helping each other grow in Christ. We see this happening in our youth group. I saw it happen good night in serving. It was crazy. You, we can't. How many of you parents know it's almost impossible to get your kid to clean anything? I mean, it's impossible. It's like insane. The madhouse right now is a mess. But Friday night, we had, if you'd have seen this place, it was a mess. We had confetti everywhere. We had glow sticks up in the roof. We had everything. It was crazy. And I saw kids up here. The music's bopping. And they got the broom, you know. They're sweeping up, you know. I'm like, revival. This is crazy. They were serving together. They, they, I had, I had a, a group of students say, can, can we do a Bible study tonight? And I said, it's 10.30 p.m. Are you sure? Yes, we want a Bible study. We had a Bible study in the cafeteria until 12 midnight. These, listen, this, I'm not saying that you have to have a Bible study at midnight every night, but this is how we should be, embracing Christian community. I saw it so over and over, making sure that others' needs are met. Are you kidding me? These students, it was crazy. Uh, we, we'd go out to eat, and you have those kids who are like, you know, they brought, 40, I got $40, and uh, I'm good to go. For, and, then, and then five minutes after we stop at the first gas station, they're like, oh, I spent all 40 bucks. I'm like, what did you just buy? Oh, I bought, I bought a new iPhone case, and I bought, a, I bought some headphones, and I'm like, What? But guess what? It was so crazy cool. We had kids who literally were like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to spot you money. Hey, you, don't, you, you, you need some money? I got, I got you taken care of. It's going to be 4% interest. It's going to be okay. No. But we had kids literally saying, I want to help out other people. It was amazing. And I think that gospel light, we need a little bit more of this. We need a, I'm not saying we do a bad job. I think we do a great job in a lot of ways. But embracing Christian community. Let's look at the New Testament church and what they did in Acts 2. This is one of the coolest passages of scripture I've ever seen, especially when it comes to church. It says this. All of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship. What does that mean? They were in constant church uh, attendance. They didn't miss church because they wanted to make sure that they were, they were uh, you know, they, they were under the apostles' teachings. They were excited about it. But guess what? Not only that, they didn't just come to church every Sunday. They would talk about it throughout the week. They would literally bring up the message from Sunday on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and say, Hey, man, dude, did you, what about that point he made? Or what, what about, they were in constant. And then it says they were, they were committed to the fellowship is what it says here in the New Testament. They, they, you didn't see just one, you didn't see one disciple over here. You, you had, when you saw one disciple, you saw two and three and four. They were just together. They were hanging out. And you know what that sounds a lot like? It sounds a lot like small groups. That sounds a lot like, we, look, we have an opportunity in this church. And if you're not plugged into a small group, let me tell you, it is so important in the discipleship process. You need community. You are not meant to be alone. 
You are not meant to live this life. Well, I've got my wife. I've got my spouse. I get it. That's amazing. But you have other, me and my wife are a part of a small group and it's, it's, we love it. It's amazing. We have, we have different groups uh, of married couples with different kids. We've, our, our small groups had like 75 kids in the last two months. And it's like, you know, it's crazy. We've had so many kids being born. And we're like, you know what? Hey, guess what? Uh, okay, so-and-so's having a kid. Hey, guys, let's have a, let's have a wedding or a wedding shower. A baby shower. And let's get them some diapers. And let, oh, they had the baby. Okay, next week, hey, your meals are taken care of. You make this, you make this, you make this. It's so amazing, and it, it's so helpful. And you have to understand that if you think you can do this alone, you can't. You're not meant to. You are meant to be in community, embrace Christian community. Look at here, what else it says in here. It's awesome. It says, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. They were observing the Lord's Supper at people's houses together. They were observing the Lord's Supper. We have opportunities to observe the Lord's Supper together, at least here, right? Do you observe the Lord's Supper with us? Is that important to you? Embrace that. Embrace community. Embrace Christian community. They were involved in prayer together. And then it says this, a deep sense of awe came over them and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. Now, I'm not going to go into a deep discussion of what these signs and wonders were because I don't think we can necessarily say that because it doesn't say exactly what they were. But we know there were miracles, there were signs and wonders. But let me say this real quickly. Not everything described in the Bible is prescribed. Meaning this. God made a donkey talk in the Bible. Like words were uttered out of a donkey's mouth. Now, if you come to me and say, hey, man, I just was at, I was at the farm the other day and donkey started talking to me. I'm going to refer you to Ephesians 5.18 when it says, don't be drunk with wine, okay? Because you got some weird... Now, can God do that? Yes, he can still do that. He can do anything. That's not my point. We know that God can do anything. But the point is, I think sometimes we focus so much on, I just, I want to see these miracles and I want to see these. Can I tell you something real quick? Can you come up here, Madison, real quick? Uh, she, Madison, Madison got saved this week, y'all. Miracle. The greatest miracle right here. God saved her. Tom, miracle. Two other students, miracle. Thank you. Sorry for embarrassing you. All right, so we're focused so often on, I want to see this. Why don't you just look in front of you and see the greatest miracle of all? It says this. It's pretty awesome. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. Other versions say they met, they had all things in common. What does that mean? They were ready to help each other at a moment's notice, no matter what race or social status. They were meeting in one place. They didn't say, all right, all of the rich people over here, all the poor people over here, all of this race over here, all this race over here, and we'll just kind of nail it down later. No, no, no. One place. They shared everything they had. I love this uh, about our church. Uh, The Gethsemane house, uh, we we, we host uh, in our gym a love day. A love day. Love day is a time where we have the opportunity to, to uh, give haircuts to the homeless and feed the homeless. We have uh, ways to give clothes and shoes and things to, to a compilation of things where we can give it to the homeless. We can show love, understanding that we can do this as a Christian community. We get to do this together. And it says this, they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. I'm not saying everybody needs to sell their home and just give it to the church. What I'm saying is, is basically what they did was they had a fund for charity. It sounds, it sounds really familiar. 
It's called the blessing offering here. We have, if you look in the bulletin, you can see on the, the, the right over there, it says the blessings offering. The blessings offering. We have an opportunity to raise funds to be a blessing to people who are in need. I had a man who, after the first service, he came up to me and gave me 40 bucks. And he said, hey, hey you, you, your message, you know, inspired me. And it was after the offering. So can I give you this money to help out that family who, whose husband passed away? I just want to make sure they have some food for at least a meal. This is amazing. This is, how, this is how a discipleship process works. This is the framework of a disciple is that you embrace Christian community. It says they worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And then it says this, and this is what leads us to our fourth point. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. He added to the fellowship. These are people who weren't in the fellowship, if you know how addition works, and now they are a part of the fellowship. This leads us to our fourth point. If you're going to be a disciple, the biblical framework is a disciple engages with others. It en- a disciple engages with others. Now, this isn't other Christians, guys. This is outsiders. Refer to verse 47. It was added to their fellowship. This was not happening Christians to other Christians. This was Christians being around non-Christians. I don't know about that. I mean, have you seen the people out there lately? They're kind of crazy. I don't agree with them politically, or I don't agree with them socially, or this and that. How are we going to add? we got to add. If we're going to be a true disciple, it says that each day the Lord added to their fellowship. we got to look away from distractions, guys. So many distractions out there. We need to look away from distractions and see the need of people around you. We need to be missional, and I love this word, together. Be missional together. Now, what does that word missional mean? It can mean a lot of things, but I want to give you this definition. Constantly looking for ways to make a difference in our community and around the world for Jesus. I love that make a difference because that's what Madhouse Teen stands for. Make a difference. Are we making a difference in our community at Gospel Light? If we're going to be saying this is a year of discipleship, this is something we must be doing. Paul says it this way in 1 Corinthians 9, 22 and 23. He says, to the weak, I became weak. To win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. He became all things to all people so that he, by all means, he could save some. Now, don't be confused by this. Some people take this and say, you know what? Well, I'm going to make these people feel good, and I'm just going to kind of try to be like them so they know that I'm not crazy. And so I'm going to head down to the strip club, and I'm going to go witness to those ladies up on— No, guys, this is not what Paul's talking about here. Paul is not talking about sinning to get people to come to Christ. What he's saying is this. In context, when it talks about the weak, Paul is actually talking about the people back in the day when they would make sacrifices. They would burn this, the, these animals on an offering, and some people would eat it, and some people wouldn't eat it. And the people who wouldn't eat it is Paul's referring to them as people who maybe had a few behaviors that, that made other people upset. Why don't you just eat it? Paul's truth is this. 
Cooperating with people's behaviors helps us to avoid placing any unnecessary barriers in the path to Christ. Instead of making all these hurdles, hey, you know, if you want to be a part of us, you got to... You got to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to look this way, and you got to... There's a lot of things to be in our club. In our reality, Paul's like, we got to take away those hurdles. And we got to say, look, if you want to be a part of this, all you got to do is trust Christ and let the Holy Spirit take care of the rest. We got to eliminate some of those hurdles. A silly example of this is I play basketball in a men's league. And in that men's league, there's some rough units. There's some interesting people, interesting things being said when a referee makes a call, Right? There's a lot of words that probably aren't G-rated. And uh, I don't want to just go and start saying the same things and sounding the same way just to make them feel like I'm comfortable and come to my church because I'm cool because I cuss. I'm not saying that necessarily that if, if you've ever said a bad word, you're a terrible person. But what I'm saying is, is that I don't have to do things and be like somebody to make a difference in their lives. What I need to do is be Jesus to them. Let me ask you this. Why was Jesus called the wine bibber or a drunkard? Because he was, according to the Pharisees in Matthew, he was a friend of sinners. Are you known as a friend of sinners? Jesus was literally accused of being a drunk. We know that he couldn't be a drunk because he lived a perfect life. And according to the Bible, being drunk is a sin. So Jesus was never drunk, but he was accused of it because he was with people. Because he realized, look, church is great. We need to embrace Christian community, but we got to go. We got to go get others added. We've got to go get others added. We've got to be, in order to be a true disciple, we've got to make sure that we're a friend of sinners. Don't let politics or anything else get in the way of the gospel. Number five, desire to worship God. Second to last thing. We're, We're almost done. Desire to worship God. I have this definition of worship that I thought was pretty good. There's other, obviously, definitions. But this definition of worship, it says this. Our 24-7 response to who God is, not just what he does. A 24-7 response to who God is, not just what he does. It's easy to worship God whenever things are going good and when we see, oh, wow, he did this for me and he gave me this new job and, and he gave me this raise and he gave me this child and he gave me this and, and he gave me this relationship and, wow, God's good. God isn't good for what he does, guys. God just is good. He is good. That's what he is. He can't not be good. And yes, we can sing about it. And I love singing about it uh, today. I was over here going crazy with the band. And I'm just like, man, I love this. This is amazing. I want to worship you. You know, and we sing about, uh, you know, how good he is, right? You are good, good, oh. You are good, good. And then, you know, you're never going to let, you're never going to let me down. And I was just like, oh, great. He never lets me down, right? But singing songs in worship isn't the only way we can worship God. We can worship God in our service and how we serve. We can worship God in our giving. That's why I love the way we give. We have offering plates up here that you can come forward and you can give and worship. Uh, If you're like me, I give through text. It's a really cool way to give, super simple. I can do it when I'm out of town. And I like to give every week. I like to give every week. Why? Because whenever whenever the, the, the giving time comes and they put text up there and I'm like, all right, all right, and I, I type in that, I, church giving is the, the contact. And then I clip that amount. 
and I click send. And I just want to worship God in that. Well, how can you worship God in that? I just want to say thank you, God, for all you've done, all you've given me. I don't deserve anything. And I just want to worship you with this gift. Well, that sounds kind of crazy. Well, that's, that's just how it is when, when you want to be a disciple. We can worship in giving. We can worship in prayer. We can, wor- we can worship doing anything. It all boils down, in your notes, to our attitude. Romans, uh, Romans 12.1 says this. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God, because this is your spiritual act of worship. I had the opportunity to go to the first service, okay? Because I was was obviously speaking. And I can't wait for you guys to hear the song that Jordan had chosen. I mean, I love the fact that Jordan prays over it, and he gets the notes for the Sunday service. And he, the song that's going to be sung in the invitation is going to pretty much be this point here. I want to give my life a living sacrifice. Everything we do, our, whether it's with our family or in, in our hobby or in school or our job, everything we do is worshiping God. Lastly, number one, we said that in order to be a disciple, the biblical framework is number one, surrender to a gospel-centered life. Number two, a hunger to know God. Three, embrace Christian community. Four, engage with others. Five, desire to worship God. And lastly, six, making new disciples. Making new disciples. What does this mean? It means intentionally looking for someone who doesn't know Jesus. Look for someone who doesn't know Jesus in your sphere of influence. Well, I don't have any sphere of influence with other people. You know, it's really hard for a staff member of a church to find that. I got to go out and play men's leagues and do different things in order to find people who aren't a part of the body, who don't know Jesus. Increase your circle of influence and invite them into your life. You mean I got to invite them into my life? Really? To see how amazing the Christian life is. And then here's the kicker. Then leading them to a place where they do the same for someone else. That's the kicker. Leading them to a place where they do the same thing for someone else. Look at Mark 1, 16 through 18. Jesus is actually walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he's getting his disciples. This is literally a, a, a picture for us in this, in this point. Jesus is finding his 12 disciples, and he sees a dude named Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And he says, come follow me. And here's, here's what I want you to focus on, these two words. I will make you fishers of men. And once they left their nets and followed him. See, all they did was follow Christ, but Jesus actually made them disciple makers. So here's my note here that I want to add in. This is an additional one. When you follow Christ, he makes you a disciple maker. When you follow Christ, he makes you a disciple maker. You see here that, that Simon, Simon Peter, I mean, this guy, he was amazing. He did a lot of amazing things for God, but not because of him. I mean, if you look at his life, he's pretty much like me, a mess, right? He's a roller coaster. He's doing, you know, he does some good stuff, and then he's like, you know, 
F God and die. I, I don't know him, right? Because he curses God after Jesus. And then, and then, and then he, God uses him again. And, and you see that Peter literally is like, he, he preaches Pentecost. 3,000 people come to know Christ through God's message through him. Jesus makes you a disciple maker when you follow him. Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, God doesn't just command us to make other Christians. He commands us to make disciples. We used to do something, uh, you know, when I was a teenager here at Gospel Light called door-to-door soul winning. And a lot of people, um, you know, a lot of good things happen from that. I know people who literally are still in church today, got saved, everything from door-to-door soul winning. Now, I don't know how well it would work nowadays just because, you know, I don't know how many people would answer the door. It was p- pretty dangerous in a lot of ways. They would drop two of you off and you just walk down the street and knock on doors. I remember my friend who was in the morning service, he got, uh, I remember we were, he was on the next street over from us and I just, ah! and just hear this like loud girly scream from Dustin. And uh, he had, a dog had ripped his leg open and just like marred it. And he had like 40 stitches and we went and visited him at the hospital, gave him some fruit roll-ups. Anyway, so, uh, but it was kind of a dangerous thing. But a lot of people came to know Christ. But here's the kicker that I believe where we kind of messed up on is we didn't make disciples. We were given the gospel out, which is super important. We want to do that as much as we can. But God commands us to make disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple isn't just a Christian. A disciple is somebody who is a Christian that makes other disciples. It's naturally, it's something that naturally happens. It's part of the framework. I'm going to close with this. This is my closing thought. In all the three gospel, in all three gospels in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we see the story of a rich man who just wouldn't sell all that he had to follow Jesus. He said, Jesus, I've done all these good things, and I just want to be, can, can I just be a follower of you? And Jesus says, actually, all you got to do is sell everything you have and come follow me. And he said, man, I can't do that. I want to close with this thought. Salvation is free, but a life of discipleship costs everything. Salvation is free. Oh, it's easy. Repent and believe. And, 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 and look, that is free. But the life of discipleship cost everything. I've heard it said this way. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. Why isn't everyone being a disciple the way that we should be? Because it costs something. I want you to notice each point. If we look back, point number one, you look at every first word, it's, a, it's an action verb. Surrender. Hunger. Embrace. Engage, desire, make. All of these are action verbs. Can we do something this morning? Can we take some action? I don't know about you. I don't know if it's just because I went to Teen Rev and I'm just like kind of a different person. I'm just tired of coming to church and just listening and hearing and saying, wow, that was good. That was amazing. Thanks, Pastor. Where are we eating? Let's take some action today, right now. So let's do this by asking or rating ourselves on these things that I put on your bulletin. I want to do it right now. This isn't homework, this is classwork. 
Jesus is at the center of my decision making, one to ten. What do you rate yourself? Is he the center of your decision making? You may say, man, Mo, I, I want to get rid of this frustration in my life. I've just, I want things to go my way. And it's just, it, I want to I experience that release that you, you had when you just said, God, you take over. I desire to know God more, one to 10. What is your, how badly do you want to know God? Be honest. Don't, don't lie. I'm not going to look at it. We're not going to have you type it into a system. This is just for you. If you're listening to this message and God doesn't know you, please come forward in this song. Take action. And if God does know you, then if you would during this song, make a decision to get up and start getting his word. I find ways to embrace Christian community through church attendance, small groups, service opportunities, prayer meetings, and observe the Lord's Supper. Well, I do pretty good in that. I attend church. I go to the Lord's Supper. Uh, Well, I'm not in small groups. If you have questions about our small groups, please come forward. It's okay to come forward in a service. We're going to have some elders up here. Come forward if you're interested in small groups. Say, man, you know what? I need to embrace that Christian community. You know what's going to happen if you don't? You're going to be distracted like that. You got to take action. Get involved in a small group today. Don't wait. Don't say, I'll call them next week. I'll call them tomorrow. No, you're not. Action now. I have passion to show others Christ in all that I do. You know what, Mo? If I were on trial and the accusation for me was just being a Christian, I don't know if I'd be found guilty. I don't know if anybody really knows that I'm a Christian. I keep that to myself. I have an attitude of grateful worship 24-7, 1 to 10. Man, I love it. I mean, like when I go to church, we sing, I just I experience that worship, but I, just, I have a hard time worshiping God and everything else. And here's my last question for you. I'm currently either being discipled or I'm discipling someone right now, yes or no. And I want you to circle that. Are you being discipled or are you discipling? It's the year of discipleship. Let's not allow gospel light to be a church full of Christless Christians. Let's be a radical disciple of Jesus Christ. The world needs it. The world needs it. I want to throw up one last graphic and I'm done. I had Ken make this for me. Just like the framework of a house, right? You have the roof up there, desire to worship God, making new disciples. If you were to take one of these things out, what's going to happen to that house? It's going to be destroyed. It's going to rain. You know, if the roof comes off, you're going to have a lot of pretty bad things happen to your house. The wind's going to come. Satan's going to come with some distractions. He's going to come with some things in your life. These six things are the framework, the biblical framework of what it means to be a disciple. It's the year of discipleship. Can we make a decision today, right now, after I pray to come forward during this song and say, I want to take action. I want to be a disciple. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. We thank you for giving us this opportunity to be able to just worship you, but also be able to get in your word and and learn what it means to be a disciple. Please, God, 
please help us not to just sit back and say, I'll do that later and postpone and procrastinate. Help us not to say, you know what, that was good. Please, God, give us, give us a, a desire right now to want to do something and change. Change from what we are and be better, knowing that it's your Holy Spirit that we need. Help us to release everything else. Release release our will, release uh, everything that we have and are holding on to and help us to just let go and surrender to you in this song we're about to sing. We love you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you stand with us and come forward and take action?